Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. We ask that you would open up the eyes of our understanding and and our hearts so that we would be able to receive with all diligence and with all love and with all joy and peace the infallible, immutable, unchanging, everlasting word of God. And God, as we receive this word, we ask that you would anoint us to be able to be vessels to share the word in the anointing and in the power that you have afforded us to be able to share that word in this gospel with those that may be unbelievers or those that may be believers and are having a a moment of unbelief. God, anoint us to be able to receive through our transformed minds a word that would speak life, that would bring forth fruit, and that would multiply itself in this world and this land we live in today. And we ask these things in the name of Yeshua. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 I brought my eyes this morning. Mitch would be glad to see that. <laughs> so in 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm not going to do what I have you guys do a lot of times for those of you that come on Wednesday nights. I'm not going to have you guys read along with me this morning, but I'm going to read in your hearing today. But it, just for those that don't really know why I do the way, kind of the way I do on Wednesday nights, it have maybe you haven't been. The reason why we read together on Wednesdays is because I believe that that is the best way to get the word of God in your spirit. Because when you speak it out of your mouth, it comes into your ears and it enters into your spirit, man. And it empowers you to take that word and utilize it for kingdom building and for kingdom glory. First Corinthians 13 begins, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, or the King James says charity. I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could Remove mountains, but have not love. I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Verse 8, love never fails. 
but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. Verse 10, but when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Verse 12. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part But then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We've heard various messages and various teachings throughout the years on faith, hope, and love in different variations and different combinations. But I want to take a different approach this morning and and share something that you may not have even thought of. And I'm going to go on the record with you. God has a weird way of dealing with me. So although I was doing a lot of study over the last couple of days when Pastor Nancy reached out to me about this and I had so much stuff on my schedule, just traveling and doing all the things that I do until I was like, I don't know. I just I don't I I don't know if I have the time to really get into it. She said, well, Pastor Troy, just use what's in you. She said, you're always telling everybody else to use what's in them. So you just use what's in you. And I said, how are you going to use my stuff on me? <laughs> That's for me to use on you. <laughs> and she said, God will give you the word like he always does in the time frame that he desires to give it. So even yesterday, I was just talking to Laura earlier about all the stuff I did yesterday with prayer in the city here at the church and um, handing out turkeys in Dallas and, and giving out um care packages to the homeless in Dallas. And, and then I did the, uh, I did a wedding, officiated a wedding and did a funeral all in one day and did the deliverance service in Irving last night. All of this was on my calendar for yesterday. And I had something in store that I felt like God wanted me to share, but on the drive here this morning, God gave me this. And I said, God, why do you always do that to me? I was ready to share that. I don't know what you want to do with this. He said, you trust me, right? I said, well, he said, well, you just got through teaching Wednesday night about trusting me. And now you're going to say, well, I said, okay, God, yes, I trust you. He said, well, you just let me use you. And the people that show up are the people that need what I've put in you to give. So I pray that you receive this and I can deliver it the way that he gave it to me or even with greater power. So we talk about suffering of love and and love is kind and love is being patient and how it doesn't envy. But there are three keys 
to understanding as we go into 2024, there are three keys that I believe God wants me to share with you today. Love produces something called vision. Mm. Love produces vision. And where I'm going with that is we are all family here at New Beginnings. We, we, we're, I consider all of you my family. You're my family. And as being part of the family, we have a visionary that has provided us an overarching vision for New Beginnings. As members of a family, when the patriarch of the family has a vision for the family, it is up to us to discover what that vision is and help to execute the vision in our areas of influence and our areas of availability and knowledge to help see the vision come to pass. That's why the word says, write the vision and make it plain that those that read it or receive it will run with the vision. God has called us here to new beginnings for such a time as this to run with the vision. See, you come and you see, you're like, wow, we're we, it's just with the word that's going forth, we should be doing so much more and there should be so many, many more people here. The reason why you don't see the fruit of the labor of the leadership is because we have not run with the vision. And God has shown me through Pastor Larry when we were hanging out a few weeks ago. And God confirmed in me that the reason why I uprooted you from the ministry that you established and moved you to where I've placed you now is because he needs a visionary that will come alongside him and help the people be inspired to execute the vision that God has given him. And I came and I sat with with Pastor Larry after it and I was like, you got all these pastors and they're great pastors. So I don't understand what God is saying. And he said, God is saying to you that you have a special anointing and a special gift that needs to be added to the team so that he can take us into the next level of blessing. But without you submitting yourself and coming up under an authority when you've been the authority. He said it takes a lot to go from being the authority to coming up under the authority. He said everybody can't do that. And he said that shows how much you love God because you loved God enough to not go off into the shadows like you could have, to not just go away, but you loved God enough that when I, when I made the ask, you initially accepted the ask just because of your relationship to me. He he said it didn't even have anything to do with your relationship to God, and it didn't. I accepted the calling because of my my 26-year relationship to him. And I was like, Pastor, whatever you need, I'll help you. I just didn't expect to be the one doing. I thought I was going to come in and help groom and prepare some people to do so I could go right off into the sunset and do something else. I'm like, God, and, and, and God just kept digging me in deeper. And I'm like, God, but I got my business. I got my, my, 
I, I got my kids. And, and God said, you don't have those kids? I said, what do you mean? They all my kids. He said, them kids grown. Quit acting like them your babies. I said, they are my babies. He said, no, you've done your part. Now you let them do their thing and you focus on accomplishing what I've set you in place to accomplish. He said, I set you apart for what you're doing. The reason why you kept trying to having all these um, nervous breakdowns and stuff, he said, it's because you were trying to attach yourself to people that couldn't see your vision. You were trying to attach yourself to people that had vision, but they didn't have my vision. He said, and because you had my vision, I set you apart and I put you in a, what, what you called the dark and lonely place. He said, but that place that you called the dark and lonely place was not a dark and lonely place. It was the backside of the mountain for you. It was your place of preparation. And I was preparing you for this next season of life. When you thought the place of preparation meant, oh, I just need to go away. I need to go somewhere and hide out. Well, before I started the church that I started, I'll give you guys a little background. Before I started the church that I was just pastoring for the last 14 years, I, uh, I went to a place. Any of you ever been to Prayer Mountain? So there's a place in Dallas called Prayer Mountain. I was, I was, the, I've been, I was the only associate pastor they ever had there. I served as associate pastor there for eight years. And that was the first place that God took me to when I left being associate youth pastor at the Potter's house. Went over there and I went there because I was sick and tired of ministry and I was sick and tired of people. I had just come through my divorce and I was sick of people. I didn't want to deal with people. I didn't want to see people. I told God, I said, those are your people and I hate them. I told him just like that. I don't want to deal with your people. They're your people. Keep your people away from me. And God, I went up to Prayer Mountain and I called myself going up to Prayer Mountain because I was like, okay, God, I've been in the limelight at the Potter's house for years. And I need to go to a place where nobody knows my name. Nobody knows me and I can be. I said, God, I just want to be a pew sitter. And I walked up to Prayer Mountain, and I, I would go up there and pray all the time anyway, because I am a man of prayer. I would go up there and pray, and I met the pastor years before I, I started attending there. So I, I'm there, and I'm sitting there in the back, and I'm hiding out. And one day I'm up there praying, I'm just walking the mountain, and I'm, I'm just singing, just worshiping God. And Pastor Robert walks up behind me and touches me on the shoulder. He said, wow, you have a wonderful voice. I said, I just don't sing anymore. He said, what are you doing now? I said, well, it's different. When I sing to God, I don't sing to people, and I don't sing on public stages and public platforms anymore. He said, well, will you do me a favor? I said, well, as long as it's not something in church, I don't mind. He said, well, it is in church. He said, it's not really on the forefront. He said, I need somebody that can sing an old hymn for me. He said, because I don't really have anybody in our church that can really sing an old hymn. And I said, well, if I know it, I'll sing it. He said, well, you can learn it. (laughs) If you don't know it, you can learn it. And so 
because of my love for God, I was like, okay, I'll do it because I love God enough to do it. And I went in and I sang that song for them before service started. Well, actually, services started. He introduced me. I came up and I sang the song and God moved in that service. And I kept coming back and I'm sitting. I'm so I'm so hooked or so attached or focused on being a pew sitter that I sat on the last row of the church service church every Sunday. I said, I mean, literally, I was back. I would be the person behind you, Nick. Because I didn't want anybody to see me. And so one of the Sundays, he had a guest speaker come in. And it just so happened I know the guest speaker. And the guest speaker said, is that you, Pastor Troy? And I slumped down in the seat. And he said, stand up. And I got further down in the seat. And I'm looking around, I'm like, maybe nobody will notice. All I did was make it more obvious that I was sitting there. Because now the whole church is focused on this guy that slumped down in the seat trying to hide. And so my friend that was ministering, Gerald Patterson, gets off the stage and walks all the way back to the back of the church. And says, God is bringing you out of obscurity in this stage into notoriety again. And I said, I don't want to be in no notoriety. I'm good. I'm in a place where nobody knows me. And come to find out. 40% of that church knew who I was. They just didn't acknowledge it. So in my mind, I thought nobody knew me. But 40% of the church had been under my ministry for years. And I had no idea. And the pastor came to me that following Sunday. He said, I really need a good, strong, solid associate pastor. He said, and God told me it's you. I said, well, God didn't tell me that. <laughs> he said, I said, I, I don't pastor anymore. I don't even like people. And he said, but you're a people's pastor. I said, I don't even know what that means. He said, you love people. The problem is you don't want to love people. He said, so you're calling yourself not a people's pastor and saying you don't know what that is because you have such a love for me and the things that I love. And I love people. That's why you love people. And your issue is you don't want to love people because of your love for me. You just want to love me and not have to deal with people. I said, yes, God, you understand me. He said, well, that's not how it's going to work. <laughs> and I, and that, that's, that was me. I was like, God, you're being messy now. This is not cool. I don't want to do the church thing. I just want to sit here and get the word and study and have my books and my Bibles and take my notes and go home. Everybody else gets to go to church and go home. Why do I have to go to church and stay? And God said, because you, just like David, you're a man after my own heart. He said, because of your love for me and you see vision in visionaries. And I have anointed you to help visionaries accomplish the vision. He said, that's why you haven't been able to stay in places that you thought you were supposed to stay. Because once, the, once you accomplished what I placed you there to, to do, you saw it as you were just trying to get out of it. He said, no, that was me moving you. He said, but I, I had to move you the way I had to move you where you didn't understand it was me moving you. Because had I not done it that way, you would have stayed past your time. See, many times we can stay in a place that God has called us out of past our time. Yes. 
And so some of you in here are, God has called you higher than where you have become accustomed to or where you have become complacent in. It may not be a physical position he's called you out of, but he's called you out of the box that you have put around yourself saying, God, I can't do anymore. I don't have the capacity to do anymore. But what he's saying to you today is that you can do all things through him and that you have to stop looking at the box and being comfortable in the box because your blessing is not in the box. Your blessing is in your obedience. And I had to learn over the years and I still struggle with disobedience with God. And I, he and I still have a regular fight on a regular basis because he loves to tell me to do stuff that I don't want to do. And, and I will see, I know y'all don't have this problem, but I'm always very honest. Y'all know that about me by now. I will tell God in a minute, I don't want to. And he's like, I don't care what you want to do. What I'm going to do is I'm going to position you where you're going to have to submit to me. And when I put, when I put enough position, repositioning on your life that you have to put, that you have to start doing what I called you to do. I'm not doing it to chastise you, but I'm doing it because I love you. So you don't don't see it as God, you just beating up on me. Why are you abusing me? He said, because I love you. He said, and you love me. And I'm like, well, sometimes I do. He said, no, you love me all the time. And, it's, and I said, no. And then he takes me to the scriptures. And, he, and it, where it says, those who love me keep my commandments. And I'm like, God, why you always got to take me to this kind of stuff? You keep convicting me and stuff. I don't need to be convicted anymore. I'm good. I know the word. I can, I can teach the word. I can preach the word. I, I don't need to be convicted anymore. And this, this week, earlier this week, the Holy Spirit asked me the question, do you love me? And I'm like, it depends on what you want me to do. I will answer that question, God, when you tell me what it is that you want me to do. Because based upon what you want me to do, I may not love you as much as you think I do. And he's like, yes, you do. Because you have always proven through this test of time that you love me enough to keep my commandments. You go where I tell you to go, even when you don't want to. When God sent me here, I didn't want to come here. I came one Sunday and I wasn't, I wasn't coming to be here. I was coming because my church, I was done with that church. I was like, I'm going to pop up over there and I'm not going, I'm not going to text Pastor Larry and let him know I'm here. I'm not going to text Nancy, Pastor Nancy and let her know I'm here. I'm going to sit in the back. And I sat in the back that Sunday and I was like, oh, that's pretty good. He's, he's still a good teacher. And I came back probably a month or so later. It was what, June or July of last year. Popped back up. And I was like, okay, that's, yeah, that was a good, good word too. Then I run into Pastor Nancy in September at a pastor's conference. And Pastor Nancy, I don't know if you guys probably heard her tell the story. She thought I was hiding at the pastor's conference because I'm, it, so we're all at this tables, at, you know, banquet, and all, all the pastors are fellowshipping together and uh, uh, national leaders, they're all fellowshipping together. And she saw me sitting at a table by, by myself behind a column. And it wasn't because 
I was hiding. I was, I won't say, well, I was hiding. It wasn't because I was lonely or didn't want to socialize or nobody. The problem with me at that event was everybody knew me. And so I did not want to be recognized. And so some of you in the room don't want to be recognized. Some of you in the room don't want to be noticed. But what God does is he starts anointing you while you're in your closet doing what you do. And then he propels you into a position that you didn't expect to be in and into a place of affluence that you didn't expect to be in all because of what you did in your closet. All because of your affinity to him. All because of your seeking him beyond measure in all things. So your love for him produces that vision. The second thing that love does, love produces this thing called spontaneity. Anybody ever had some of that spontaneous love? I know Nick has. Nick still has that spontaneous love. Where you just, and and I know Mitch does too, where you have that, you so in love with this person, you in the mall and you just buy something for no reason. I'm going to get them this. They may not even like it, but you just felt like spending some money on them. And so you just did it for no reason whatsoever. Love produces spontaneity. Love does not have, you don't have to have a checklist of what I'm going to do and what I'm going to remember. Because love always produces, where, and love always gives. I love God, so I always give to God. I give of my time and my treasure. And so I got people say, well, I tithe. I used to tithe. I still tithe what you guys call tithe, but I go abundantly above. Why? Because my love and affinity for him has produced a level of spontaneity that causes me to give him the best of me. Does that make sense? I find myself yesterday when I gave out those turkeys, I'm so mad at my assistant right now. He, He and I had it out yesterday. Because he sent out an email to people telling them, um, hey, I want you guys to help Pastor Troy with what he's done with these turkeys. Because what he's not telling you guys is he paid for all 600 turkeys himself. And I was so upset because people started walking up to me when I got to the event, handing me checks. And I was like, what is this for? Well, we just want to help. I'm like, no. And you know how the saints are. Don't block my blessing. (laughs) And I'm like... (laughs) And I'm like, okay, God, what am I supposed to do? Because this was my charitable contribution. And this was me serving man through you. This was something that I wanted to do. I didn't want, if I wanted people to be a part of what I was doing, I would have made people be a part of what I was doing. So I was upset with Chris for doing that. And God had to show me that these people are being spontaneous Because they love you and because they believe in the work that you're doing and the work they, they recognize that the work that you're doing, you do it because of your love for me. You don't do it to be recognized. You don't do it to be appreciated. You don't do it to be affirmed. 
I don't need affirmation. You know, I'm sure you've probably heard this, Tracy. Oh, men love affirmation. God just wired me different. I don't really care. I don't care. I know that's weird. Isn't that weird, Mitch? Most men that you know want some type of affirmation from somebody. Me, God wired me differently to where I just really don't care. You don't have to pat me on my back. You don't have to applaud me. You don't have to give me a card because I am going to do exactly what God has called me to do, whether you like it or not. Because the same people that applauded Jesus were the same people that said crucify him. And so, therefore, I'm not, I'm not going to be with you or uh, I'm not going to be embracing your applauses, nor am I going to be embracing or, or, or speaking negative of you when you start declaring crucify him. Why? Because I don't care. Because God has called me to do what I do. And the only person that I care to please is him. My love is for him. I seek his vision and I'm spontaneous in what I do to him. That is, it is amazing the things people, the, the crazy, freaky things people do when they're in love. Think about it. People do crazy stuff. You, I know none of y'all in here did this, but in college, I'm a, you know, I don't mind telling on myself. In college, I had a young lady I was dating in college, and I know I had to be at work at 4 o'clock in the morning. And we up on the phone at 2 a.m. And I'm saying, you hang up. No, you hang up. You hang up. No, you hang up. I love you. I love you more. I love you more. No, I love you more. And we go through that for a whole other hour. That's what I'm saying. The crazy things we do when we fall in love. And so think about if we get back to the place to where we first love God. Where we have that same type of vision and spontaneity for the things of God and for God himself. To where we say, God, I am here in my prayer time or my prayer closet and I'm like Jacob and I'm not leaving till you bless my soul. God, I'm going to wrestle with you. If if I got a call in to work today, I'm going to stay in this place until I get the word that you need for me, not just to change my life, but to change the lives of everyone that I may encounter. That's where I am. I'm just that crazy. See, I know none of you have probably done this, but I have called in to work to spend time with God. My game coming in today. And I had my boss, she said, that's a great idea. I, had, I, had, I remember I had a boss that told me, so are you sick? Is everything okay? We, we're concerned because you're one of our best workers. I said, no, I just need to spend some more time with God. He said, huh? He said, you're not sick? I said, no, I'm not sick. I said, I've just been in the presence of God this morning. And his presence is on me so heavy. That I can't get out of this. I can't. I'm not ready to separate from him. I want to be with him as long as he wants me to be with him today. Because I'm getting something from him that I need that I didn't know I needed. Because I'm realizing that just like David said, in his presence is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And right now I'm experiencing joy unspeakable. I'm experiencing peace that is unimaginable. I am experiencing his glory and his divinity like I could not even imagine and 
He didn't know what to say. And my boss said, I don't know how to write that down, so I'm just going to put down you sick. (laughs) I'm like, but I didn't say I was sick. He's like, but I can't say that on this paperwork. That's, That's not how we do this. I said, just tell him I'm in love with God. He said, I definitely can't say that. (laughs) Number three, love is deserving. Love is deserving. What do I mean when I say love is deserving? Love is deserving of your time. If you love God, what does he deserve to get from you? He has given you your life, your health, your strength, your children, if you have children. If you don't have children, he has given you the fortitude to be comforted without having produced seed. You have a certain joy and a certain peace that money can't buy. So you have to really think about God. What? Is it you have to think for yourself, what is God deserving of because of all he's been and done for me? Does that make sense? I know I'm weird, but so y'all just gotta bear with me and excuse me in my weirdness. But this this scripture, this this passage that I shared this morning just really speaks to me. And when it said, Love never fails, but whether there is prophecies, they will fail. And it talks about the things that will cease to exist and will cease to fail. And and that will fail you. We tend to fail God, but he never fails us. So knowing that we fail him, but he doesn't fail us. What more is he deserving of from us? See, I don't even make excuses anymore for not spending time with God. I spend time with God in my car. And you stepped out yesterday. I think you stepped out when I got up yesterday. I don't know if you did or not. But I'm going to tell you, it's, and, and I'm, I'm finally finishing my book. I've been writing this book for 10 years. <laughs> but I'm finally finishing my book. And yesterday was confirmation on why God wants me to finish that book in this season. And I didn't plan to, to, to actually publish this book. I've got 14 books that I've written, and I haven't published one. Every one of my books that I wrote, I wrote for me. I didn't write for anybody else. I didn't think I did anyway. But God has laid on my heart that this is a book that he wants me to publish. And the title of this book is The Supernatural Power of a Praying Man. And so yesterday when I got up to pray, there was a release in the atmosphere on the men that were in the room. Because God in this season, as we go into 2024, he's trying to make a special deposit into men. He's calling men to step into their rightful place, not just leading their families, but leading their communities and leading their nation. Because for us to get back to our um, place of repentance properly, men have to lead the way. And women are going to be those that come alongside the praying men. And help to pray them through. I'm going to share this and I'm going to get into these last couple tidbits. 
but I just feel like I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to share this with you this morning. Something that that God had me share when I was in at Samuel Rodriguez's church, wherever that is in California, a few a few a couple months ago. They called me out there and I spoke at a, a singles conference. I'm like, oh yeah, me singing, preaching at a teaching at a singles conference. Come on now. He was like, well, I'm trying to find you a wife. I'm like, so you're gonna bring me out to a singles conference to help me find a wife? Really? You tripping? <laughs> you said I know about holiness, so that goes half of it. <laughs> and so I'm out there, and, and while I'm teaching, God drops in my spirit. He said, "You know what I was saying when he, when I talk about a help meet in the Bible and how to help these women understand what it is to be a help meet." He said they need to study the model of the Holy Spirit because that's the design for a help meet. A helpmeet comes along beside that man, just like, just like the Holy Spirit comes alongside man. That spouse comes alongside just like the Holy Spirit and attaches himself and propels him into the vision and the destiny that God has put in him. And I was like, I never thought about that. He said the same way that in, in, in the Greek, the term is allos parakletos which means that, that that attaches itself or affixes itself to you to come alongside you. And so the, the, that mate does the same thing. That's what Laura does for Mitch. That's what uh, Billy does for Nick. Come, they attach themselves and they come alongside and they propel them into. And so what I'm saying with that is the Holy Spirit, as we go into this new year, He's going to propel us into some places because of our love for almighty God to be able to serve the family of God in the house of God to help execute the vision of God in this house. So as we go into 2024, part of the vision that has just been kind of thrown at me is working with our pastoral team to come up with curricula for fit for life to prepare people to understand who we are as new beginnings. What our doctrine is to understand our Jewish roots. So as we have new people coming in and you see what I want to challenge you guys do, because most of you from one of the faces I see, you guys are like the core people here in the ministry here. So, I'm going to challenge you today to step up and be just that. And as the core people, when you see pastor saying at the end of service for those that are seeking salvation and he's asking them to raise, lift their hands and having everybody else close their eyes. I need you to keep your eyes open and I need you to look for those raised hands and I need you to make contact with those raised hands and I need you to help those raised hands get engrafted into the family. I need you to help disciple them into the vision of this house. And if you need to get in and get a deeper understanding of things, feel free to reach out to any other pastors. Reach out to me. Um, Tracy will tell you. I always answer my phone. Billy will tell you. Nick, they text me. Mitch, they can text me anytime, day or night. Just it's, It's a little easier here because my last church, I pastored 900 people and every one of them had my cell phone number. Talk about a nice, no one I didn't like people. <laughs> and you, I mean, literally, you might have a night, you get 150 texts between midnight and 4 a.m. 
which is why I was telling Laura now, now my phone stays in my office at night. I don't have a phone. I don't have a phone in my bedroom. No. <laughs> I don't have a television in my bedroom. I know that sounds weird because I know a lot of people do. But my bedroom is utilized for sleeping. My office is utilized for business. My study is utilized for business. Other parts of the house have that purpose. And so I had to learn how to discipline myself to, to have space for the things that I need to have certain spaces for. And so I want to challenge you to do that as we go into the new year, because these classes that we're going to be offering and they're going to be in, in fit for life, they'll be 9 a.m. on Sunday morning as usual. But what we're looking at is doing like a welcome to the family type of series for the first for the month of January for those people that you're identifying. And that way you can get them plugged in so they can come in here and they can learn what water baptism is and why we do it. They can learn what the gifts of the spirit are and why we operate in the gifts of the spirit, that the gifts of the spirit didn't die with the apostles. And so we're going to have that foundational fundamental teaching happening right here. Because in order for us to do the things that God is calling us to do in this next season, we have to be rooted and grounded and understand what our mission is. But if we as the leaders in the house don't know the vision of the house, how can we bring somebody into the family and help them understand the vision that we don't know? You can't. So I'm challenging you to, be, to help me be those eyes. Unfortunately for me, I got to sit on the front row. I tr- I've been trying to get off of it. I would love to sit in the back, up in the balcony where I can't be seen. But whenever I try that, I get a text from Pastor Larry, I don't see you. <laughs> where are you? You didn't tell me you weren't going to be here this morning. I'm here. I'm just not there. <laughs> so, but... The vision is, we'll do that, and then we'll go into a deeper level for the month of February. For the month of February, what we'll focus on is people that have been and are wanting to become volunteers in the ministry, teaching them how to get acclimated and how to understand the inner workings of the ministry, and also helping them to know who's who in the ministry. Because some of you have been here for a long time and don't know who does what. Anybody, anybody receive that? And so I just pointed this out to the staff. I said, you know, I talk to people that come that attend here all the time. And they, if I'm one of the pastors and I don't know who's doing what, I know they don't know. So now we want you all to get acclimated so you know who to go to for what, who's in charge of what, and help. We've got to build, because what God is getting ready to do in this place He's getting ready to bring so many people through those doors, but he's not going to. This is one thing that that I'll tell you. I'll leave you with this. God has a prepared people for a prepared place. And until we become a prepared place, he's not going to send the prepared people. The revival isn't coming to new beginnings until we are prepared to receive the people that God has already prepped and primed their hearts to come into the house. 
So until we get in place to receive them, they're not coming through those doors. No matter what we teach, no matter what we preach, no matter how many services we have, how many events we have, until we are prepared to receive the, the, the hurting, the hopeless, and we are prepared to love on them and make them part of the family and help them see who God is and who God wants to be to them, he is not going to send them through those doors. Are you guys ready for what, 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 what's getting ready to happen? If you're not, take this next month, because like Pastor Nancy said, this will be the last fit for life of the year. So I want to challenge you, take the next month or so and prepare your hearts and get into this word and prepare your hearts to really position for what God wants to do not just in you, but through you. Because we're all called to a place of service. You know that? There's no job in the kingdom but servant. So all these people that want titles and positions, if your title and position isn't servant, you're going to the wrong place. You're seeking the wrong thing. Those that love God will serve God with all of their heart, their mind, and their soul. So are you ready to serve God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul? Do you really love him like you say you love him? Or are, are, that, are you just giving lip service to those that will listen? It is time to show that we love God like we say we love him. It's time to treat him as if he was that first love. That first true love. It's time to get back to the basics. Because as we get back to the basics, we're going to see an anointing break out in this place that you would never have expected. Father, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for these believers that have gathered in this place. I thank you that you are pouring out a special anointing on them right now. And that you are preparing their hearts and their minds for such a time as this. God, I thank you that the, the word that you put in me to share this morning did not fall on deaf ears, but it has encouraged us and it is challenging us to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think in this season and in the seasons to come. God, I thank you that you are releasing an anointing in us that destroys yokes, that call, that brings families back together, that heals the brokenhearted and the wounded, and that heals the wounds in us so that we we can be prepared to love you the way you have called us to love you in this season. And we ask these things in the name of Yeshua and all God's people that love him. Just give him the best shout of praise that you can. Amen. Thank you guys for.